More and more people are moving to cities, and that's going to affect almost every industry. We are very cautious and very aware to make a conscious effort to work with the ecosystem. What can the average person do to take action now? Not one person can change the world, but if we all do a little something different, it might help. Being open to embracing innovation. Know that you can make a difference. A absolutely. There's no excuse not to even do a little bit. Let's go check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Going Green. As always, I am excited for you to be here and I'm excited to talk to our guest today, Steve Fambro, the co-founder and co-CEO of Aptera, a, I don't want to say local company because this is a national and international show, but uh, we are not too far away from each other. As always, joining uh, by Zoom due to the quarantine we've kind of been all working with, but um, Steve, thanks for taking some time out of your day to be here with us today. My pleasure, Dylan. Uh, always looking for an opportunity to connect with uh, interesting folks like yourself and your team. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, you're doing some amazing things. Um, so let's kind of dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about Aptera, how it started, you know, its history and what's kind of happening today with it. Well, Aptera started uh, over 10 years ago. Chris and I first started the company you know, way back then. Um, and we left and went on to do our other things while uh, professional team that we hired to manage it, uh, uh, had the company. Uh, when they shut it down a, a few years later, and they were unable to raise money, and um, I had gone off to do something different, work in agriculture, and Chris started his battery company. Um, when we came back, my family and I came back from the Middle East last year, uh, where I was working, last year, maybe two years ago, um, we reconnected about Aptera and said, you know, the improvements in battery technology have been so fantastic that our, our basic concept would mean that you could go a thousand miles range, you know, an electric vehicle with basically what we had. So uh, we thought about it and uh, did some calculations and I did my MATLAB analysis and he looked on, you know, thought about financing things and, um, and we decided to make a go out of it again because we thought the time was actually much better now than it was then. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. So the company kind of started, took, a break essentially, and then you kind of right. came back in and, and relaunched things. Um, it's funny because timing really is everything. You know, I mean, when you launched the company, I think around 10 years ago, um, the technology and, you know, kind of the overall mindset probably wasn't quite there yet. Whereas now technology is definitely caught up in the clean tech space and um, the overall kind of general feelings towards, you know, electric vehicles has probably been a lot more welcoming as well. Um, how did, how, what is your background? Like, how did this all come about, you know, from the very beginning? Well, my background is electrical engineer. Uh, so I, I, I was a late bloomer. I didn't go to university till I was almost 30. Uh, I was in the army and I went to school on the GI bill and, um, uh, I got hired out of university, um, for a local company here in San Diego called Lumina. And uh, worked on a great team, had most fantastic bosses ever. And, um, and we did wonderful things uh, in, in the DNA space. And it, it made me some money. And I thought, well, you know, what can I do with this money? Uh, let, let me, you know, let me start this company because I had been working on this idea, this concept of Aptera for a couple of years. This is all before I had children, you know, you know, when you, when you have before kids and after kids. And uh, I remember that day I came home from Lumina and told my wife, who was, she's pregnant with my daughter at the time. I said, honey, um, I'm going to sell our stock and start a car company. And I'll never forget. She said, oh, okay, dear. 
fine, whatever you like. And she, she was just so happy because of the pregnancy hormones, I guess. But um, yeah, electrical engineering is what gave me this focus on efficiency because electrical engineers, you don't do anything inefficient. You know, we, we're always thinking about efficiency because it adds inefficiency, adds cost to the product. It adds weight. It adds all kinds of other problems. And it's the same with nature. Nature abhors inefficiency. And, and that's why you see all kinds of random fish or birds or whatever that have extremely low energy uh, requirements to go from point A to point B. And uh, humans don't think like that, you know? And so uh, when we make cars and things like that, we're thinking about objects. We're thinking about styling. We're not thinking about, you know, the way fish evolved or birds evolved. We're not thinking about efficiency. And that's what the electrical engineering background brought, brought to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating journey. Um, touch on a couple of things there. So we have a client of ours who former military and now he owns a podcast or does a podcast and he talks about all of the amazing, you know, perks that you get after the military, the GI bill, the VA loan. Um, and for me, it's fascinating to kind of hear those things and, you know, hear people like you taking advantage of those. Um, two, Illumina, for those of you who are not in San Diego, I mean, it's one of the most successful companies to ever come out of San Diego. Um, so that's really exciting to have that opportunity to work there. And I love how you kind of take, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's always interesting to sort of, hey, you know, I've got this, this money or this investment or whatever it is, I'm going to kind of switch things up and apply my knowledge to a new industry. I always think that's fascinating to hear that. Um, what were kind of the, some of the biggest sort of struggles that you ran into at the very beginning of Aptera? I would say um, in the very beginning, it was in developing my own personal leadership abilities. You know, I, I was in the army, but uh, I was a soldier, so I wasn't an officer. I, I wasn't a big leadership or command position. And um, and once Chris and I raised uh, the first couple of tranches, I mean, before we knew it, we had and we'd raised forty million dollars. And even before that, um, I remember going to my chairman saying, "Look." Uh, I've read some books. Uh, I've talked to some people. I, I think, you know, I, I think I know what we have to do here. But uh, I just remember not having a, a mentor or a coach on leadership uh, was, was just a big, it, it, it became a struggle. And so uh, knowing that now, you know, if I could go back in time, that's something that I would have developed. I said, get those get that leadership mentor mentoring for myself and Chris at the time. And it's interesting, you know, a lot of guys in the military write books on leadership and it's very different in the military. You can issue an order and it's just executed. No questions asked. Business is different. You're dealing with people who have free will and options. And so you have to cajole them. You have to convince them to do stuff and, and pull them along. And it's a very different skill. Uh, so took time to develop. Yeah, no, trust me. Uh, as a business owner myself, you couldn't have said it better. Like you always have to find ways to inspire them, get them motivated. It's not just, Hey, go out and do this. Like sometimes a lot of times that's how it is, but sometimes you got to kind of get them motivated to go do things like that. Um, so now that up is kind of, you know, you're back in it. Um, what are you most excited about with it right now? I mean, in the past, you know, 10 years or so, the electric vehicle, industry as a whole has obviously been growing. It's becoming a lot more mainstream. Um, so what gets you kind of excited about it, working on it today? I think f for me, the, the never, and again, it's, it's our company, our technology, but uh, a part of it never charged the, 
the integrated solar and charging that's built into the body. Um, for me, this is one of the most amazing things. I mean, I drive an electric car. I drive a Chevy Bolt. I'm on my second one. I, I just turned in my last one a couple of weeks ago. And it's all electric, and, and I love it. I'll, I'd never go back to a gas car, you know, because it's just all these benefits. Um, but, you know, charging of the vehicle is it's pretty easy. My son can do it. I have a seven-year-old son and wherever we go to the park, he plugs it in, but it's something that you have to do. It's like charging your cell phone. You know, I mean, how many times have you woke up and you're like, Oh, I didn't charge my cell phone. I'm, I'm going to be late. I'm getting on a flight. It's dead. So the, the physical act of having to remember to plug it in and charge it is it's just one more thing that we have to do and worry about. And if you could build a car that not only you didn't need to do that most of the time, but that, that didn't need power from the grid most of the time. It means that all of this discussion and, and wringing of hands about, oh, well, electric vehicles are going to tax the grid and they're going to cause these, these grid problems, things like that. And that's not necessarily the case if you're using hardly any electricity from the grid at all because you're getting most of it from the sun directly on the car. That's the part that excites me, being able to just park it in the sun and know that it's like it's getting free energy. It's just charging right there on the spot by itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, when you think about the capabilities of solar charging to the technology and batteries to, you know, electric vehicle transportation really is going to put, you know, a big, big uh, sort of gap in the, the energy that we're using, um, especially from like fossil fuels. So um, where do you see, you know, kind of the overall industry of electric vehicles going in the future? I, I think it's, you look at other countries as sort of a sentinel, uh, and, and California is probably one of the biggest ones to look at uh, as a state. It's almost like its own country itself. But uh, everywhere where there's electric vehicles, uh, virtually their sales are increasing year over year. Um, and especially places where the governments are helping the economies tr to transition to electric vehicles, places like Norway or Holland, where they have other incentives. Our goal is to make a vehicle that is profitable to to propagate through the marketplace without having to have incentives. And we do that by needing far less batteries than any of our competition, batteries being the most expensive part. And so I think the, you know, how, it, how the market is shaping up in many other countries um, is, a, is a great indicator of how well things are doing. The United States, it, it's, I, I've lived abroad uh, twice and I've, I've lived and worked in probably nine different countries. And, um, and we think of ourselves as America, you know, United States. But having lived and traveled abroad, and you come back to the United States, you realize that California is as different from uh, Kansas as Romania is, you know, from uh, Macedonia. And they're just different, you know, different culture, different economies, everything else. And so it really is, uh, I, I don't expect any new vehicle trend to be manifest through the entire United States. I see different places in the United States, almost like different countries where they'll be extremely popular and some places where it may just take a long time of adoption, you know, based on cost and other factors too. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty interesting living in California, um, especially in the, the clean tech sustainable space. It does seem like we're definitely a little bit ahead of uh, other areas. I've been fortunate enough to live. Um, I grew up in New York which is a pretty progressive state, traveled quite a bit myself, then settled on uh, San Diego basically because I wanted to live in like a beach area right. that also is a, is a progressive, you know, forward thinking city with a ton of opportunity too. So it's 
we honestly, I think, live in an amazing place for kind of, you know, what you're working on in terms of the technology. The solar, obviously, is a huge part of it. I mean, San Diego is one of the sunniest cities. Um, so it is interesting to think about that. And I'm sure, you know, that's part of the challenges that we'll face is building the infrastructure in those, you know, those states and those towns that are probably a little bit behind. But if we can get solar, you know, easily accessible and the cost down, it does make that easier too to transition from a, um, an internal combustion engine to, a, to an electric vehicle. Out of curiosity, so uh, the car itself has a pretty unique design. How did that kind of come about? Like, did you just want to create the most efficient design you possibly could for the car? That's it exactly. Uh, when when I started uh, when I started the company originally, um, I mentioned to you I, I wanted to build this car. What I really wanted uh, was to build an airplane. Uh, I was getting my pilot's license at the time, I, and I got it a few years later. But um, I, I remember my wife saying, "You know, that, can you pick something maybe a little bit more safe? You know, flying dangerous enough. Why not just buy one or or rent one instead of trying to build one too?" So I thought of something that would be challenging. And I said, well, maybe it could be a hot rod, but no, you know, people, there's so many fast cars in the world. I'd, I'd never be able to make one that would be of any notoriety. Um, and I started thinking about efficiency because I wanted to build an electric vehicle. And at the time, uh, all electric vehicles were conversions. And so as a converted vehicle, they got really poor mileage. They had lead acid batteries. It would go 20, 30 miles range. And when I was going through the math, because that's what I did as an engineer, um, I discovered that you know, most of the energy at highway speeds is going just to push the air out of the way. So I said, well, how would I make a shape that had no drag or little drag or an order of magnitude less? What would that look like mathematically? And that's what set us down uh, the road to start discovering those shapes. And, uh, and we read lots and lots of books on low drag vehicle aerodynamics and did experiments. We used tools called like computational fluid dynamics. And at one point we even hired NASA to verify our design. That was before we started fundraising. So we could say, look, even NASA says it's, it's low drag. Um, and that's what, that's what really got us to this shape right here. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very similar to what a shark does when it's swimming close to the ocean floor, it arches its back and flattens its bottom. Uh, so it's really rediscovering what nature has already discovered um, and then applying it uh, into automotive. And we've done that. We have a, a product pipeline of, of um, a sedan and crossover and other vehicles where we've used those same methods to begin working on concepts for those vehicles. Obviously, this one is our, our focus right now, but we want to show that we're a company that's bigger than this first vehicle that only seats two people. We have a future plan that's very bright with all kinds of vehicles that all use the same technology. Yeah, that's amazing. And when I was um, kind of researching, you know, the company beforehand, one thing I've always wondered personally was, you know, a lot of electric vehicles you see out there are four seaters when most of the time there's probably not four people being, you know, sat in all those seats. So I always was curious before I ever kind of came across your company, why not create something, you know, with two seats. So how did, did that kind of play a, a part in the design too? Like keeping it as kind of small, compact, as light as possible? Yeah, it was, it was really, uh, it was no more complicated than, well, you know, I want my wife to travel with me. Um, and she's, and I can't make it tandem, you know, she's not going to ride in the back. So we've got to be side by side. Mm -hmm. So that was what drove the whole thing is saying, mathematically, what is the shape that can surround two people side by side and, um, and 
be an order of magnitude lower drag. Surely that shape exists. Maybe it's an unreasonable shape, but let's at least find out what it is mathematically and then, and then go from there. Yeah, no, I love the uh, I love the family kind of thought that goes into it. Also, sort of the nature of you know when you when you showed it and you said it kind of looks like a shark. I can totally see that as well. Um, well, first off, I want to thank you, Steve, for taking some time out of your day and chatting with us. I always like to ask you know everybody who comes on um, what's sort of one piece of advice or an action item that the average person can take away to you know be a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more environmentally friendly. I mean transportation electric vehicles is you know huge right now so is there anything that you can kind of say hey you know you don't have to take huge leaps and bounds you don't have to start a car company but here's you know something easy that you can kind of do to get you know your step in the right direction sure um i would say that most everybody drives a gasoline vehicle and you know the heavier the vehicle uh the the more energy you use to go from point a to point b and uh one of the things i started doing before while I was starting Aptera, I drove a pickup truck at the time. I started obsessing about how much miles, how many miles per gallon I could get. I'd keep the tires pumped up. I would, I would, I would drive like an eggshell was between my foot and the throttle. And by doing that, I was able to maximize my mile per gallon more than I could ever typically get. And in a big car like that, when you go from 15 to 20 miles per gallon, that's a lot of money that you save a month. So you save money, that's cash in your pocket. You're polluting less in the, in the environment. Uh, just by the simple fact of keeping your tires pumped up properly and driving like there's an eggshell between your foot and the throttle. That'll save you lots of money and lots of uh, gases going into the environment. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's those are kind of two key points right there, saving money and helping the environment. I mean, that's that's win-win for everybody who doesn't like to save money first and foremost. And then if you can, you know, help out the environment even better. Um, where can people go to follow your journey um, I, are you currently, uh, raising funds right now or what's that process like? We are, we have a, we're doing a bridge round right now to our next, it's a crowdfunded bridge round. Uh, you can go to wefunder.com slash Aptera. Um, you, if you also go to our website, aptera.us, it'll have a link there. You can read about the company. You can read about the team. It's an amazing team of folks that are there now. It's not just the Steve and Chris show. There's world-class talent there. Uh, and they're responsible for so many things and the vehicle and the company. Um, so you can read about all of that. You can see the latest videos, sign up, get your uh, updates from the company. They're sending out all sorts of uh, visuals and videos and new collateral before the launch. And, um, and check out the WeFunder site and uh, see if, if, if our offering interests you and make an investment. Awesome. Steve, thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And to everyone who tuned in, um, be sure to check them out. It's really fascinating stuff. There's awesome videos, photos. It'll get you excited. Uh, like Steve said, there, there's the open crowdfunding right now. So if that's something you're interested in, um, take a look at that. And as always, you know, our goal is to bring you the leading CEOs, scientists in the clean tech sustainable space. So we appreciate you tuning in, uh, watching, listening, supporting the show. And as always, we will see you on the next episode of Going Green. Going Green.